to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Welcome to RPC. It's so good to be in worship with you this morning. I want to remind you, we have a three o'clock choir concert at Roswell United Methodist Church, also a congregational meeting following the 11 o'clock service. Well, in today's sermon, we're going to continue looking at the Lenten sermons, these spiritual disciplines, call it CrossFit. What are the practices that we can do to flourish in our spiritual life so we can grow spiritually? Today we're going to look at Sabbath and rest. The text I've chosen is from the fourth commandment, from the Ten, the ten Commandments in Exodus 20. So let us open our, our hearts, our eyes, and our ears for the word of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the, res or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might speak a word to our heart that only you can speak. You might teach us about rest, about Sabbath, about enjoying the gift of life that you've given us. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you have trouble resting? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Some of the most spiritual people have trouble resting. My sermon writing process usually works like earlier in the week, I'll read the, the biblical text for that Sunday. After that, I consult commentaries and I, I look at books and read books about the, that Sunday's sermon topic. And this week I had a surprising experience. When I consulted several of the most influential books about spiritual disciplines, I was surprised to find that they made no mention of the Sabbath or rest. They talked about fasting, meditation, prayer. They had entire chapters on going to church, confessing your sin, finding spiritual guidance. But they had nothing about Sabbath and rest. And I wondered why. And then it hit me. If you're the kind of person who's going to write an entire book about spiritual disciplines, you're probably not that good at resting. You probably love to work at growing spiritually. You want to be on your grind, fasting, praying, meditating. You want to do all the spiritual exercises you need to do for spiritual growth. You want to work hard. The last thing you probably want to do is rest. Well, I'll tell you, I've never written a book about spiritual disciplines, and I have no intention to. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to grow spiritually, you need to learn to rest, to take a Sabbath, for God commands us, 
remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This command was an innovation in the ancient Near East. There's no evidence of any other ancient Near Eastern society practicing Sabbath. The Sabbath was so outside the norm that the Israelites had trouble practicing Sabbath keeping. In the Old Testament, if you read around, you'll find that the people have difficult practicing the Sabbath for the same reasons we do. You know, in Amos, in the 8th century B.C., the prophet Amos comes and he, he's telling the people, you need to rest, you need to rest. And they're like, no, we want to work. We want to get our, open our businesses. We want to do it. And he continually says, no, rest. Honor the Sabbath. In the 5th century B.C., Nehemiah, he critiques the people because they're treading the wine presses and they're holding markets on the Sabbath. And he's going, guys, you need to rest. You need to honor the Sabbath. But the Sabbath and rest They get in the way of work. Do you find this command to keep the Sabbath challenging? I think we almost, we find it justifiable, and some of us maybe even find it a little pride in how busy we are. Staying busy is almost a a virtue in our culture. This past week, somebody called it, we're in the game of competitive busyness. It, It lets people know how important we are. If you ask me about last week, Jeff, how was last week? Oh, busy. How's this next week look? Busy. Then you know, I'm needed. I'm important. Look how busy I am. Look at how long my to-do list is. We have no problem breaking the fourth commandment. The funny thing is, if you break the commandment, thou shalt not murder, we're all like, you shouldn't have murdered. That was wrong. <laughs> but you break the, the fourth commandment about the Sabbath and taking rest. You break that, we're like, good work. <laughs> That's very impressive. Making the most of your time. But the fourth commandment says, out of every seven days, we need a Sabbath. We need to rest. The word Sabbath comes from the root word Shabbat, which means to cease or to stop. And we're to cease from all our work. We're to stop and enjoy our lives. I don't know if you paid attention or noticed. God actually gives some reasons why we should periodically cease from our labors. In Exodus 20, it goes, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Why? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. We ought to take a Sabbath because God took a Sabbath. God rested from God's work and enjoyed creation. This comes from the first creation account in Genesis 1. It's kind of that day-by-day schedule of God's creation. God creates on the first day the sun and the moon, the land and the sea, the animals, and on the sixth day, he creates humans. And on the seventh day, what does he do? He sits back and he rests, and he calls creation good, and he enjoys it. God enjoys it. There's this holy rhythm to our lives to work and to rest. It's like that old Rihanna song. Work, 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 rest. I workshopped that last night at a, a dinner party. I think they were, I think they were teasing me because they said, you should definitely do it. 
Why are human beings called to rest? Because we bear the image of God. And when we honor that command to rest, we're saying, look, we're like God. We bear God's image. We know we need to work. We need to labor. But we also need to rest. On the seventh day, you shall rest. Rest and enjoyment of our work is part of the point of the whole thing. If you can't enjoy your work, if you can't enjoy the fruits of your labors and and rest, you're missing the point of life. Abraham Joshua Heschel was the most famous 20th century theologian. He wrote a powerful book called The Sabbath. Listen to this. He says, the Sabbath is not for the sake of the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of the Sabbath. It is not an interlude, but the climax of living. Labor is a craft, but perfect rest is an art. It is the result of an accord of body, mind, and imagination. The seventh day is a palace in time that we build. It is made of soul, of joy, of reticence. In its atmosphere, a discipline is a reminder of adjacency to eternity. I love that. I love that quote because it's just, The Sabbath is building a palace in time, a place of protection, a place of rest, of enjoyment. Why? Because it reminds us of our adjacency to eternity, that we bear the image of God, that we have souls. This is the reason we are human beings and not human doings. We need to learn to be, to rest. The irony in the New Testament is, Sometimes the the Israelite people, they went kind of overboard in their observance of the fourth command. Sometimes they they would work so hard to rest, they forgot to rest. It's kind of an irony. Did you know that at the time of Jesus, there were 1,520 things you could not do on the Sabbath? Even today, under Orthodox Jewish law, there are 39 categories of things you cannot do on the Sabbath. Here's some. Carrying, burning, extinguishing, cooking, washing, knotting, untying, shaping, kneading, combing, some of you don't need to worry about that, slaughtering, skinning, smoothing, marking. There's so many things you cannot do. In fact, I don't know if you remember this, but one of the charges that's brought against Jesus at his trial in the final moments of his life when he comes before the Sanhedrin, that Jewish court, they say he did not honor or obey the Sabbath. It's actually one of the things, if you pay attention to the four Gospels, Jesus is always playing with the Pharisees' understanding of what the Sabbath should be. So, for instance, in Mark 2, Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and they're hungry. And so they pluck some heads of grain to eat. And the Pharisees run over, and they say to Jesus, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And then Jesus reminds them of a time in the Old Testament where King David went into the tabernacle and ate what's called the bread of the presence that was reserved for the priests. He said, if it was okay for David to do that, isn't it okay for my disciples to do that? And then Jesus says to the Pharisees, and he gives this great principle, this great principle that I think it's good for us to remember. He says, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. Jesus interprets the law for us and shows us that the law is made for our flourishing, for our betterment, to help us stop 
Man, just be a human being. Work and create, yes, for six days. But on the seventh day, rest and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Did you know that the Ten Commandments appears twice in the Old Testament? The first time, it's in Exodus 20. It's at the beginning of the story. The people have been liberated from Egypt. And then they're wandering through the desert, and they come to Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up Mount Sinai. This is the Charlton Heston version of the Ten Commandments. And so he goes up, and he receives the Ten Commandments. And he comes back down. That's the first one. The second one is in Deuteronomy 5. It's many years later. In fact, the Israelites are on the precipice. They're on the edge of entering the promised land. And Moses comes to them and restates the Ten Commandments. But what's interesting is, is there are some similarities and there's some differences in the two versions. The similarity, the biggest similarity, is that both commandments say that there is a universality of the command to keep the Sabbath. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Everyone is supposed to keep a Sabbath. Young and old, men and women, slave and free, citizens and non-citizens, No other ancient Near Eastern society practiced Sabbath keeping. And yet God tells the Israelites, they're to keep a Sabbath. And everyone, no one is excluded. Everyone is included. Even the lowliest low to the highest of the high on the social ladder. We're called to rest. This is why the Sabbath has been called perhaps the most and greatest social revolution in the history of the world. But then there's a key difference between the Exodus version and the Deuteronomy version. Remember I said that God, the fourth commandment is like so revolutionary that God's got to give some reasons why we should follow it. And remember I said the Exodus version is because God rested as creator on the seventh day, we ought to rest. But in Deuteronomy, God gives a different reason. A different reason why the Israelites should practice the Sabbath. Listen to this. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You are on the edge of entering the promised land. You're going to own land. You're going to settle down. But don't forget that you were once slaves. God knows that you're going to be tempted now that you have land to work all the time. You're going to have businesses. You're going to have bills to pay. You're going to have homes to build, flocks to tend to. He says, even if you're free physically, you can still be in slavery spiritually. You see, sometimes it's easier to get the people out of Egypt than Egypt out of the people. And those of us who are born into freedom in North America ought to remember that. That we can call ourselves free, but we can also be enslaved spiritually. In his fantastic book, Leisure, the Basis of Culture, the philosopher Joseph Piper writes about why our culture finds it so difficult to rest. He says, leisure is only possible when we are at one with ourselves. We tend to overwork as a means of self-escape, as a way of trying to justify our existence. We try to work so hard all the time to justify us being here. So people think we're very important. 
so necessary to things. And the command says, no, take time to rest. You are not a slave. You are a child of God. I'll conclude with a story from Yale historian David Blight's 2018 Pulitzer Prize winning biography, Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom. Before he found his freedom, Frederick Douglass was enslaved in Maryland. He was known as Fred Bailey. He lived a traumatic early life in slavery. He didn't know who his father was, didn't know when his birthday was, and was uneducated. Along the way, people recognized his brilliance, and so they gave him a collection of famous American speeches and a Bible. And some came along to help him learn to read. Eventually, Douglas escapes from slavery and goes to the north. He continues to develop his gift for oratory, for speech-making and writing, travels the world, speaking to thousands and thousands of people. He comes, becomes the most famous black man in the 19th century. He's also the most photographed person of the 19th century. He wrote three accounts of his life, three autobiographies or memoirs. In one of them, Douglas is thinking back to when he was a young man trapped in slavery. He remembers being as a young boy there in Maryland, standing on the shores of the Chesapeake Bay, and he remembers the ships and their sails going to and fro. And there's this passage in his memoir that Blight calls the most excellent in all of slave narratives. Listen to Douglas reflecting on his life in captivity. He's thinking about when he was a young boy. He says, Our house stood within a few rods of the Chesapeake Bay, whose broad bosom was ever white with sails from every quarter of the habitable globe. Those beautiful vessels, robed in purest white, so delightful to the eye of free men, were to me so many shrouded ghosts to terrify and torment me with the thoughts of my wretched condition. I have often, in the deep stillness of a summer's Sabbath, stood all alone upon the lofty banks of that noble bay and traced with saddened heart and tearful eye the countless number of sails moving off to the mighty ocean. The sight of these always affected me powerfully. My thoughts would compel utterance, and there, with no audience but the Almighty, I would pour out my soul's complaint in my rude way with an apostrophe to the moving multitude of ships." And Douglas is thinking back to his time when he was enslaved, he was in bondage. And he's remembering the freedom of those ships that would come to and fro, and he's tormented. And did you notice what day he remembers? It was a Sabbath day he remembers this scene happening on. And he knows that on a Sabbath is meant to remind him that he is not created for slavery. He is created for freedom. And there, for the rest of his life, the Sabbath would be a reminder to him to step into that freedom that you are no longer a slave, but you are a child of God. And remember, we can be born into freedom, but we can be still enslaved spiritually. Many of us are so caught up with busyness and with work, we forget to step back, to rest, to enjoy our lives and take a Sabbath. You keep saying, I'll do it later. Well, if later... It's longer than six days away, it needs to be sooner. And there's all sorts of ways you can practice a Sabbath. Maybe you turn off all your electronics for a day. Maybe you read a book you've been too busy to get to. 
Maybe you spend an afternoon in your garden. Maybe you watch a movie with your family. Go fly fishing. Whatever it you do to rest and enjoy your life, do it. You are created to be free. You are not a slave. You are a child of God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that we have been created for freedom. I pray that we might have the courage to step into that freedom, to set aside the busyness that gets in the way, the work that will always be there, and we take time to rest and enjoy the creation you've given us, the fruits of our labors. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.